Welcome back, garment gazers, long-term listeners and fresh ears. Today we're going to be talking about smells. And no, I'm not going back to that uh, eternal topic of uh, how to remove the odour vintage from uh, old clothes. No, today we're in for a treat, learning about natural scents. And to do so, we point our noses in the direction of Oslo. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Garmology, a podcast about clothes and stuff. Now, today we're delving into a topic where I know very, very little about it. So I thought it best to invite an expert on the topic to come and visit me. Would you like to introduce yourself, Rasa? Well, my name is Rasa. Um, I am Lithuanian of origin, living in Norway, and I work. Um, on the subject of natural scent or natural perfume, creating um, compounds, creating uh, formulas uh, and concepts for um, my own collection, but also I collaborate with different designers and also art exhibitions, galleries, theatre performances, and um, looking forward for this interview. So... When you were setting out to learn about scents, was there a school of scents, or how does that work? Uh, well, uh, I think um, as a creator, I sort of learned from life, from trying to understand things, and to, I was just curious all my life. I remember... I was maybe four or five years old. I already had a little tiny garden where my grandmother would let me plant plants. And there I would plant fragrant plants, of course. And I was sort of following this uh, mystery. It was always mysterious for me, the symbolic meaning, the medicinal meaning uh, of plants. And uh, the, um, this health perspective was always more interesting for me sort of than the fashion aspect or then the design and somehow these two things collided and made it very substantial for me from my mind um, to express and I grew up in um, in surroundings where my both parents are surgeons and uh, my dad is um, he's also he's a scientist uh, and he's a vet and and a hunter so um, I grew up among a lot of organic uh, smells, uh, body smells of blood and uh, operation rooms and disinfectants. And I had these gardens. <laughs> so somehow I think I'm very thankful that I had a huge spectrum of scents to, to discover in a very young age. And um, although my parents always encouraged me to be a medicine, to study medicine, to be a doctor, I always had this another kind of perspective uh, of scent as um, medicinal remedy and as um, form of art expression of art. I totally believe that uh, perfumery is is an art and it's a very, very complicated art that depends on very many 
factors and uh, that is quite um, temporary and uh, it's not easy to express emotion in scent but somehow it was always very easy for me and I think after I created my first formulas for maybe 30 years ago, after seeing how people respond and then they were asking me about their names, they remember the names of the perfumes and the concept. And I thought like, maybe, maybe this thing is actually working for other people. So then I just started to make more formulas and uh, creating growing plants in Lithuania, in Mediterranean climate, in Norway led me to have this broader perspective and then I went of course to schools to New Zealand Remedy School in Covent Garden many years ago a Grass Institute of Perfumery and a little bit of perfumery school in Versailles but always it was continuous process I never stopped and I never stopped challenging myself when it comes to scent both growing and distillating but also through the compositions i try to understand what people want from scent and just really supporting this culture which is very beautiful very poetic and and not let it be destroyed by plastic industry and all these plastic plants around us i really feel that scent natural scent has a very powerful message for people and it's uh, it's an art that depends on a lot of labor. It's a lot of labor involved into growing scent and distillation. So I'm very fascinated still about about it, and also about the creation process and you know the images you make with scents, and it's sort of very visionary and um, transcendental in a good way. I almost feel a bit embarrassed now asking just to get this sort of dumb, stupid question out of the way. But why should someone like me care about scent? What 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 would it bring to my life? Well, it's you know, it's egoistic. It's like it's ego. It's your. It's like Dorian Gray. You know, if you read the, um, if you read the novel, it's. Uh, I think that using scent in order not to smell bad is very outdated concept. And uh, for the first, it's a certain amount of hygiene has to be first considered about scent, spraying on you, everything. But for me, scent is everything. For me, scent is something you drink it's something you wear it's something you your ambience it's your your relaxation it's it's something that is like around you like an air and it, it it's not necessarily to impress other people or it's just really something for your own peace of mind but also for your own um, what can i say like um, interest in life maybe exploration your own mind exploration it's really very egoistic. I think people should uh, be aware that scent affects people around you, but the way you use scent is really up to you, and it is at least something we can enjoy in our lives. People enjoy alcohol and drugs, but there is also scent, which is huge capacity 
of affecting you. And, you know, plants, they have two primal reasons to create scent. One is attraction, which is uh, sexuality, basically. And the other is protection. So these are two pillars. These are two most important things why plants create scent. And in between of these two main reasons, there is something of a divine thing, which is just here and now. And uh, the best sense, I don't think people can distill it. I mean, I think it's very beautiful that something can be so ephemeral and just let us to experience the, the moment in life and the existence and to feel things stronger and um, more maybe existential. So this is why first is uh, it's very egoistic, I think, narcissistic, egoistic. Okay. Um, Now, you run your own independent small fragrance company. Can you tell me about that? So, Naturalis, it's called Naturalis, and um, Naturalis never, well, it's kind of a spooky brand because we grow scent and um, uh, we have a little laboratory uh, lab. As I call in the middle of Oslo, it's it seems like it's closed, but it's a lot of plants here and it's very active inside. And um, I don't know, I just created it to support um, the culture of growing plants for scent. And uh, I also work a little bit with garden design, but that also is very focused on scent and uh, bees so naturalis loves bees and flowers and everything in between that people can get for their own health uh, interest and for their glamorous uh, demands of maybe indulging yourself in the world of natural scent but it has a very strong it has a very strong bond to health wellness health personal care more alignment of people with nature. This is, I feel like, this is my job in this life to connect people and nature, not just walking in the forest, but also having a deeper, deeper insight in you know this therapeutical extracts which nature has. Now you mentioned a few times natural scent. Yes. What is the significance of that versus? Synthetic, I imagine, scent. Well, you know, I'm. <clears throat> I try not to have like this uh, very categorical world perspective on synthetic smells, but my interest is in scents which are not made from petroleum products, which is mostly um, uh, it's the source of making um, artificial scents. And the human brain is so sharp and we can go to the depths of, you know, creating rockets and creating really fantastic things artificial way. But for me, artificial scent, which is from petroleum, is sort of like artificial intelligence. And uh, I always thought that I just want to work with like, you know, what we call in Norwegian, we have this expression which is whole wood. I want to work with bees. I want to work with bees' walks. I want to work with cedar woods and with vetivers, with beautiful ingredients, supernatural ingredients. And just like 
distillation of the highest grade to to feel the way they are not manipulated. And in every school, I'm, I know it's not a secret, 90% of all perfume today is synthetic, absolutely synthetic, because synthetics have a different agenda. They are they can be very creative, also fascinating. So, but they are there to make perfume last. And um, if you dwell deeper into the sense of international production and syn- synthesis of scent, so synthetics came because of the cost of natural scent. They came with the industrial revolution and 100 years ago the first synthetics uh, made were actually vanillin vanilla which naturally is very very costly substance to obtain because you have the pods and you have to drain them you have to air them before the distillation in my perfumes i just use natural vanilla absolute because um, vanillin went mainstream you know to to conditory products to candies and the note is not the same it's just like an image it's like a it's like a i don't know how to say it's like a zipped image of what this plant actually is what it means so i am totally obsessed by the harvesting methods the traditions the the poetry and the models that are created around this substance so it's just a little example. And musks, for example, people don't know that, but um, Chandler Burr, who is New York Times reporter, he once told about this whole, this whole involvement of musks, which were actually created with the laundry industry. So when in America, when the laundry industry in the 50s, 50s, 60s, when people created the washing machines, we needed strong, strong molecules. Like it's like, it's almost like industrial war. It's, it's sort of like, um, you know, a lot of powerful stuff was created in medicine field for the war reasons, and it's a little bit the same in perfumery, where molecules, strong molecules, are being created because of marketing reasons to make the scent last, and especially when it comes to washing powders and washing products and um, softeners. So then they created formulas which they call muscones. And actually a lot of these formulas, people don't know it, people who purchase uh, you know, products in duty-free and I'm, as I'm saying, I don't want to make this war between natural and synthetic, but it's actually the same companies that create, you know, <laughs> great scents for the laundry industry and for the perfumes. And very, very often, if you have a keen nose, you can smell that perfume. A lot of synthetic perfume smells almost the same because there are the same continuous molecules which are very strong. They are aggressive. They move aggressively in the air. They don't move by natural molecules. And actually some perfumers, like perfumer of Hermea, for example, they use quite a lot of natural substances so that the other companies cannot see the ingredients because if you use more natch of naturals and perfume it becomes more complex with all the nuances and then the competitor can't see the formula so it's high tech but i always find natural scent even if it's aging even if it's 
deteriorating. I find the beauty in this complexity and this magic, you know, like, for example, lilacs, we cannot distillate. We cannot distillate lily of the valley and we can make a chemical kind of composition, but still it's not the same. So I'm very obsessed of this um, ephemeral beauty and treasuring it. And yes, so synthetics, I have nothing against them, but also not very charming for me. I'd love for you to go to war against the synthetics. So please don't hold back. I mean, this is... I love a bit of outrage, and I would love to hear more about how I mean, the synthetics, how are they built up? Where do they find their sources? And are they harmful to us? Um, do they damage the environment? Are they, What are the downsides? Well, it's not, I don't think there are downsides. Just that your nose kind of gets dull, you know, by them, because they are strong and aggressive and um, the companies that create them, they own the formulas on them. They disponate uh, them too. But it's just like, in my mind, it's just like putting plastic plants in a room or actually with just a little care of giving plants water and some sun, you can still have natural plants that give you air. They actually make oxygen. So whenever you admit that okay, synthetics is very good, it's very durable, it will last forever and will be very strong. You deny a grower in somewhere in France or Croatia or Turkey to harvest his work, you know, to harvest his work to grow plants for natural scent, which is sort of a divine mission in my mind. And but then at the same time, you let this profit model uh, into the world. So for me, it's about uh, preserving this labor. And I very much burn for this culture of naturality. And uh, I think it's just disgusting to fill, uh, to fill the world with synthetics. It's sort of... Because also hormonally, we are animals. We are we are still human, you know, so we we re will respond to natural scent, just like we respond to the scent of the forest, you know, of rotten leaves. And we seek, I know that humans, they seek this thing because it means health and it means immunity uh, for our minds, for our limbic mind, for our mind from thousand years before. So just synthetic kind of makes things just more complicated to reach the, the nature in us and then to reach this contact with yourself and people surround themselves with lots of plastic and gadgets and media and then it's very it makes it difficult to, to ground so by growing natural sand by using natural natural components I try kind of to make this universe happen uh, for the people to show the variety and uh, the diversity of nature. So I would say that this is more sub substantial power in it than in synthetic and creating super strong smelling products. Um, that's my approach. More difficult, but more charming. Would you say you're creating small stories 
of sex. Yes, absolutely. And it's not like ending stories. It's with stories and perfume for me, it's more like a models and they are evolving. So like, let's say blush, which is the perfume I've made of natural rose extracts with frankincenses. It's um, never ending. It's um, a story about the flame, the inner flame and the vitality in the way, but it's also a metaphor because rose for perfumer is also a huge mystery for us since it's a plant that is a symbol of love, but also is a symbol of death in literature. And Shakespeare mentions rose 60 times in his works. And rose has been a symbol of wars. And rose is a plant that protects, protects itself with the thorns. So it's a huge sim- symbolism in it, but also very, very costly plant to distillate. You need a ton. People don't know this, you know. And, and people say, oh, I don't like roses. It's like grandmother smell and so on. But rose is so essential for perfumery, for the art of perfumery, because it's one of these most complicated notes. And uh, you need actually... <laughs> You actually need a rose garden to make rose perfumes, so you need these fields. So it means you will not sell property developments, but you will grow roses. So it's sort of you do something for humanity, I think, and to treasure the smell, to be able to um, induce, to be able to transcend into the smell is a very special thing. And you know, you have roses that range from sugary powder rose to cognac and wine and depth of rose and raspberry and it's a it's very very special thing so like blush is always evolving and i as i said i have been making it for maybe 15 years and every time i make blush a new formula which of course i have it i have it finished in the perfume right now which is a very good formula but if i would make a new blush this summer it would be something else. It would be something something else that people would demand and I would put it in my perfume in a new way. So it's different with every perfume. But it's like it's like psychologically different concepts what you need. You know, you have blush, which is a romantic um, attitude in life, which is something regenerative, which people need for their soul, for their traumatic experiences to live into to flourish, to blossom, but also it's a certain beauty in, in in death and decay and in protection of your own soul, your heart, your rhythm, your flame. So it blush is very, very special. But then you have Duke, which is one of my first perfumes. It's called Duke in Norwegian, but it means dew, which is sort of tabula rasa perfume, where the main focus is meditative attitude towards nature. So I created it from the emotion of the sunrise in the garden where everything is still, where is this nullifying Zen inspiration. And it's very green. It has like a deep green depth of various vetivers and it has osmanthus and it has Artemisia absinthum, which is absinthe, basically a poisonous plant, but it gives very nice um, 
touched it, very silvery. And it's also, of course, for men, it's very nice as a decolon. For men, it feels sporty, it feels refreshing, with lots of bergamot. So every perfume has different needs, and I think always about these needs, what people need in their lives. So this is why they have to be different, very distinctively different. And then to deliver these sensual aspects. So when I compose, I always think about the therapeutical, therapeutical needs, but I also think about history of perfumery, you know, like if to talk about men and colognes, Doug is actually inspired by a lot by 70s, by 70s men's colognes, which was a very good period for perfumery. 60s, 70s was a good epoch because a lot of scents were still natural, at least prototypes were naturally made with some animalic, uh, which was sort of okay to use at that time, but it's not allowed at now, it's a black market. But um, vetiver's, greeneries, always fougere scents, which is very nice on the men's skin, woody notes, not like overdriven woody, not with caramel, not like sweet and with synthetics, but it was a good period. And then since 17s, everything started to be more profit and diluted. And now after COVID, we don't know what happened, but things are very expensive worldwide. But that was a good epoch, and I'm very inspired by this epoch because it was something idealistic. And for the men's culture, it was mm, also somehow fashion and culture respected masculinity in a better way, as I see. So Doug is also very much for men and for their confidence and for their elegance, to, ca to capture their elegance by using natural elegance, which is what I see. So the perfume is very thought about and you have many, many trials and for night out, I had nine versions which were decomposed by the robot, and it's such a precision. You 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 just don't get the emotion right, and it's not right. So it's pain. <laughs> it's pain. Creating this pain. You mentioned emotion there, and is it so that the smells create an emotion in us? I often find that I will smell something, and it brings back vivid memories something yes sure of course because the, this limbic part of the brain you know it's so close to the sense of the smell is located in the same part of the brain where emotions are and where is our like primitive brain where we are animals and where we are driven by the smells immediately it can bring memories so it's you can say it's a powerful tool in the way but also it's nice to create new memories and new sort of experiences with, with scent and um, I really like that I really like that recollection making scent of a space in time or in geography but it's also individual and this is thing that is still mysterious for me and the way very joyful for me is that people are quite the same you know we are quite the same we experience similar things we experience similar things in nature the seasons come and go and we travel also similar destinations so we are kind of similar and then when i make perfume this is why people respond to it also in a similar way so 
notes are like these codes, which, of course, like oak moss can bring uh, different memories to different person. It depends on your nose, on your education of your nose, in a way, on your experiences, how many things you collected in your life. Like, what have you read about oak moss? Everything plays a role. But then suddenly it's these unexpected stories about the scent and perfume, which is very always interesting to listen to people bringing these memories. Like, can you bring any memory? Like, what is the most immediate for you? Like, can you mention something? I was just trying to think what, what sort of um, sense I would like to to have more of in my life. I, I've always loved the smell of pipe tobacco, but oh, but I've wow. never smoked and I've never <laughs> certainly never smoked a pipe or anything. So it's just but that the smoke or raw material? Well both actually. But or... they're both they're both distinctly different, but both smell quite wonderful because they're so rich and pungent. Oh, very nice and also dry smell and it can be so many variations in tobacco. It's interesting you brought the subject because uh, my grandfather was growing tobacco. He was making his own cigars. And I remember I even have a photo with him. I'm very small and we are by these huge tobacco plants. And, and later I traced down to the tobacco because I compose sometimes with this note. And... Uh, I was in I was in a garden in um, in a garden which is in Norway here in Wittstein, Ramagor, and suddenly we were in the place where tobacco was planted, and somehow it brought this. I just inhaled it. I didn't know that it was there, but it brought these childhood memories for me. You know, it just it it brings it to you like it's like a rush of blood. It really is very organic. So when it comes to tobacco, I understand you very, very well. It's an opulent smell and transporting smell and related to many other smells and woody herbal and, yeah. And quite different. Never smoked, which is, which is so amazing. Maybe you should try to smoke then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's that's kind of kind of past yeah. now. But, uh, but it's also so distinctly different from your typical cigarette smoke, which just smells awful. Yeah, it smells not nice. Okay. It's the oxidation again. But you mentioned scents for men. Mm -hmm. What are typical sort of male variants of, of scent? What, what would go into them? What notes? Typical categor categorical directions. Well, classic. I compose in classic perfumery. So in classic perfumery, the music is more complex you have bass notes middle pop and um, and these male fragrances i would maybe say there are three main groups there are of course very many uh sub subgroups now and many trends uh, i would say the biggest trend which was always very popular was a woody amber woody group which has a lot of synthetic ingredients but also very interesting resonance ingredients as frankincense mirra cedar woods kayak wood uh, sandals uh, very nice furs it's always like base of the male's fragrances vetivers oak moss then you have a citrusy category which basically which basically takes a lot of columns with this group and aftershaves, which are sporty and vibrant and citrusy and 
uplifting sense. Uh, and then you have um, aquatic, which is done a lot with synthetics, but also can be natural perfumes. Aquatic sense, which is sort of a vacational um, sense of sea breeze and trying to capture the mineral, the, the freedom and, and uh, the clarity and this metallic attitude or scent is also something men favor. So I would say these three groups, we have these three personalities. Mm -hmm. But um, now newly, a lot of gourmandess sense, you know, this gourmandess trend is like, you cannot stop this. And youngsters, they use everything, caramels. And I use coffee a lot in my blends. I like coffee too. I would probably not use it. It would be very banal to use scent on a man, on a male, like caramel or coffee, like smell like a cake. I, I don't think, I don't find it charming. I think things are beautiful when they are mysterious. There has to be a mystery. There has to be a sense that you would like to experience it more. You know, it has to be some kind of hidden thing for me. And this is difficult in art and also in perfumery to make things obsessed, to make people you know, obsessed about that. They need to find more. They need to explore. And this is the beauty of it. For me, so but a lot, a lot of gourmandess scents are coming now into life, so we can't avoid this. And men will smell caramel, and they will smell, you know, candies and raspberries, and it's all in. So this gourmandess, gourmandess feature, which is kind of growing now, it's that you something eatable can be a scent is unavoidable. And when it came first, I thought like cocoa, cocoa nut smells and. It would stay in shampoos and and balsams, but um, it's uh, taking over. Although I'm coming back to <laughs> again to the same thought that something really nicely woven, you know, like a nicely woven carpet, like a nicely made symphony, where you have lots of sounds, you have bass, you have side sounds. It's always nicer the composition, the harmony. For nose, it's always nicer with harmony. Not being loud, not too loud. It's nice. I suspect many young men these days would like the smell of money to attract yeah, girls. And I've no yeah, idea what that would be, though. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. I remember when Paco Rabanne came with this uh, perfume, $1 million. I thought it was a <laughs> like, uh, All this... And I passed by Barcelona, and they had Barcelona's airport, and they had this huge stand where they invested so much. I think the stand must must cost million million euros. And you know, they made it. They made it to the tops. That even woman, they I think they created a woman version. Or woman started wearing this one million dollars all in like glossy golden package, and it's just. It's just, you know, how things are in life, like things get viral and people want it. But money is absolutely an attractive concept for me. And I don't find it at all like, I find it kind of sticky and not interesting creatively. This is the thing that advertisement plays on these instincts, on these 
lower, you know, on these lower keys like sex and money and porn and we play with it and we play humans. And this is why advertisement like $1 million. Then suddenly they got tennis player to be the face of it. And voila, they have sold millions and millions. So that, uh, I would just advise if you want to be well off and it's uh, kind of ridiculous. It's uh, it's ridiculous to think that buying perfume, which costs millions of dollars, will make you reach somehow inside. It will never happen, of course. But but these are uh, things in life which we cannot change. That you know, suddenly a film star that is maybe not doesn't have such a good moral wins over other films because it turned viral and many people know the name so um, I'm a little more zen when it comes to scent I search for it's nice with blockbusters but it's nice to find something really special with with a good um, story behind <laughs> I imagine the the scent of money goes well with a, a certain person but uh, anyone who considers them, themselves a sophisticated intellectual will more likely go for the pipe tobacco version Yes, I think so. I think tobacco would be very much more interesting in composition than money. And uh, you know, you you somehow you maybe it can be very new and interesting for many people. I remember when there was a perfumer had an exhibition in in Oslo in um, Astrofani Museum, and she had this scent of money as an interest and synthetic scent. And I don't know. What do you want to impress? Is that your intellect that you can create a scent of money or would you like to hook uh, people or it's it's too shallow for me. It has to be something depth, depth inside and uh, I would always seek something more spirituality than scent. This is spirituality, but at the same time, yes. Something for you to be in comfort with, something to entertain your mind and the deeper concept. I imagine it's kind of like a fashion thing. If you like handbags with big logos, clothes with big logos, you like a scent that is very recognizable and flashy and obvious. Yes, it's the same. And it flashes and it goes off. So and th- some things last, and um, the impression of a good scent is that you, um, let's say, if it's a marketing concept, which was never, like for me, yes, of course, I have to stick to these marketing rules, but then you sort of buy into this theory, you buy into this philosophy of the scent, which is a little bit deeper than flashing logos. And um, But as I say, we cannot judge because people have a certain, maybe you can be a scientist and you are not so into fashion. So always I keep in mind this perspective that our perspectives are very different. People are very different indeed. And uh, perfume is strictly personal. It really is uh, very, very personal thing. Something one person hates, the other people just love. Like the, there is a certain amount, I would say there is 1% of all women who hate lavender. They absolutely hate lavender. And it's something to do with their grandmothers. 
like they remember usually the time when their grandmas were using liner soap and I don't know, it has something to do like with Freudian like family history, but they hate lavenders. <laughs> so many people love I, it. I confess I'm not big on lavender and I think it reminds me of toilets. You see, that that's it's the sort of thing you'd have a bag of in the toilet to disguise other smells, and it's sort of. Yeah. Well, it's like cake for you because you think, why wouldn't that be just good to have a fresh, nice toilet without any? <laughs> so something your mind detected, but uh, it's too much for me. Mm -hmm. I do wonder if I'd recognise today the aftershave I used a lot of in my late teens. I can't remember what brand it was. I remember it was a green bottle with a, a wood top. And it was one of the sort of male fashion brands. And I probably used way too much of it. <laughs> yeah. And But after a few years, I stopped using it and I've never used anything since. But I, I do wonder if I'd remember anything, if I smelt it, if I saw it again today. It's interesting to revisit, you know. It's very interesting to revisit these experiences. If you still find this brand. It's interesting for you, you know, the way you were, you have changed, you, it's, it's really, really interesting. So I hope you will find it uh, so you can revisit these memories. And it's charming, it's just charming. It's about our sort of aspirations in life. There is something I do wonder about, and that's, I, I notice um, teenagers and women of a certain age tend to be very fragrant. Now, for the teenagers, I imagine it's just because they don't realize how much they're actually putting on themselves. And But for the women of a certain age, I do wonder whether over the years their nose becomes a bit numb yes. to their smell. Yes, one thing that nose becomes numb, and you know, when we grow older, we produce a certain type of acid, which is kind of, it's sort of, I can compare this with like, we become kind of cheesy, you know, from, from uh, nature's perspective, or you know, the way the the way the, for example, the way the um, goat smell. You know, we with age we develop certain smells which are outside of our skin, which is difficult to control. And then if you put on the top of that uh, your own scent, which is aging, another perfume which is maybe synthetic but out of date it creates like this kind of a phantom for people so and sometimes girls do overdose yes they do overdose uh, i feel that too and i always say that the actually clean body like not too much stressed not too tired can be very opulent and very erotic and just with a little scent of plant it can be very very nice you don't need all this overdose and also i heard boys complaining about the girls at school that actually the girls they have to measure a little bit because they make them sick you know they make them sick these boys get sick and that's again you know function of our scent because if we dwell more into this interview which i don't think we have so much time for it but we are actually also like plants, and I've studied it long for a long time. Our abilities to exude smell, and everyone would agree that we, when we are with certain people or certain circumstances at work or when we stress, we do produce different scents. So 
it is from nature's perspective hormonal mission of the scent is to attract or to inform or to protect so we too are very flexible to this but not many people would mention it you know but when we recognize smells in our bodies we we know where bacteria is and we know what's good what's right so this is why nose is sort of our navigation system and also with arrival of contraceptives of hormonal uh, medicines that would suspend the ovulation and they make women smell different you know and men feel it that's the thing that we sense a lot without even identifying it. And if, if a woman which would be sitting next to you, your real friend, or would be ovulating, I, I would think that you would probably smell it without recognizing it. You could not identify what is the scent. But there are certain patterns in your blood flow, in your sweat. You know, it's, it's medicinal, but scent is really really important in this hormonal cycle. So when we make them numb with hormonal preparations and synthetic perfume on the top of it, nature cannot speak through us. That's the thing. And it's the most beautiful thing. Let nature speak. It's interesting that we might actually be destroying an ancient and natural way of communication by yeah. adding what we think is a sophisticated modern communication yeah absolutely you are so right and we can modify you know we can modify a body we can do so much now with reproductive system and with everything actually so it's a lot of manipulation involved in the world of scent but it's always nice you know nobody i don't think there is a person that could just deny being in a nice fragrant garden like isn't that divine? Isn't garden a paradise of scent? And uh, it's sort of idealistic approach, but um, it would be nice to live with less chemistry in our lives. But we cannot, and it's not a revolution. I'm not going against it, as I said. Sometimes you need you need chlorine. Sometimes you need chlorine you know, for the water to kill certain bacteria, but. But it can be challenging. A lot of synthetics can be challenging. And so, on a if you were to try to recreate some of the body's own odors of communication, mm -hmm. what sort of smells would we be looking at? Say, if you wanted to analyze the sort of, um, well, the one that interests young men the most, how to attract females. I mean, what what smell would that be? Um, that would be something um, well with men I know better maybe with a woman because I am a woman so uh, I I know it better but I could say from a woman's perspective about men it could be something which is more um, secret not so loud and if there are listeners that are listening to uh, to this podcast that they like to care about themselves, I would say that important is again the hygiene and uh, less of maybe antiperspirants and less of these chemical things that dampen your own sense of smell. But you know, like for me, men's scent, which is nice, it's always for me the memory of 
family gathering somehow when I was little and it's nice to kiss somebody. It's just nice to kiss somebody, a man to kiss them on their cheek and just like, and now I'm I'm talking about like men in my family, my uncles, my grandfather, like people you meet. And it's just this little, it's a second, it's a second while it passes by, but something like aftershave cream, it can be maybe even more attractive than a loud perfume. But something with direction and something that fits your personality. Like, let's say, if you like woody scents, if you feel familiar with woods, it can... Something that is aligned to your personality. And again, the scent comes into picture here as a means of psychological means of confidence and finding yourself in this composition. And then with this composition, you sort of go along. It goes along your style and... It's correct for you, and if it's correct for you, it's correct for the others. Just that it's nice to discover something, you know, to maybe nicer scent with some notes, nice base notes that develop over time, over longer time. They are like kind of these tangy tunes. And um, for a woman, I have a formula which is called Night Out and Night Flower, which is made from these more opulent kind of sense which develop at night so in history of perfumery i mean this this composition is made from the most famous uh, and the most regarded sense in natural perfumery which are jasmines tuberoses neverly stonkas which are wide floral so in perfumery we have this sort of hierarchy of sense let's say, derived from the woods, from the needles, you, you have sense derived from the leaves, from different parts. But florals are always this super sensitive part and multi-layered where you have in those that make a little disturbance. So for perfumers, it's always interesting to work with scents that are kind of make you blush in the way like they are difficult because they bring shame in you or they somehow are a little bit beautiful, but also disturbing, you know, like scent of jasmine, which, like Pedro Modovar said, my, my, what was he said? I like this so much. My, my younger days smells of uh, piss and jasmine, which was very good you know, night in, in, in Spain, you know, where you go along the streets and you feel the jasmine like reeking of these urine indolic notes but then again when you use jasmine and perfume it gives this indolic bodily emploi because there are not so many scents again that can give us this bodily emploi which is basically scent of body of the skin you know and it's not the same as skin of the leather it's sort of again it's like a hormonal smell and it is related to yeah not so fun things but you need just a tiny bit of it and the whole perfume sings you know so and some people well some people find it beautiful and others that are training their noses that are going through the nasal journey of experiencing perfumes they first they start with some simple perfumes and then gradually involve and it's democracy you know and it's allowed it to like what you like to feel what you want to feel it's really um, there are no borders for it just like psychology there are no borders for human mind so in those they bring something shameful but something also hormonal and they are all great 
hedonistic ingredients. They are relaxational ingredients. So they they have this spell with them, you know, they bring you on a journey. So it's always nice to to sense it at night. Just yeah, I imagine next time when you are in the by the lilies, for example, lilies which are unable to distillate, they are transcendental. They are definitely a plants that can put you in a trance. They are super milky, sultry, sweet, hedonic. Um, you have many different aspects, cacao and the floral, of course, depth and nectar and honey. And yeah, it's interesting. Interesting things happen in nature. And uh, I recently was reading a book about how plants actually developed the sense according to the insects that pollinate them. So it's uh, such a Darwin, you know, <laughs> behind it all. And they not even like they develop the, the flower, the stem, the, the insides of the plant so that insect can enter a certain insect. Like one plant can take in maybe two types of insects. Mm. And they give a reward. They give nectar and they give a reward. And the reward is the scent. And when you work with bees, you know, when you're a beekeeper, you very, very quickly understand what's going on in the hive because the bee queen is basically why they are connected together because she is giving the scent to other bees every day. Bee queen produces, a, she has a certain gland where she makes a certain scent and all the rest of the bees can come and pick up of the scent so they can stay together as a family. So all bees kind of smell the same and then every hive smells different. So it's a huge organization. And of course, bees bees use their scent of smell when they are looking for, for nectar. So it's an interesting scent. But for men, I would say stick to some, something you like and not too loud and have your own style. Define yourself with perfume as well as you would define yourself with clothing it's a um, very interesting world you did mention that hygiene could sort of destroy the scent and i imagine that's too much hygiene perhaps not oh. exactly or maybe way too little but what can you say about what would be the right level and the right type Yes, no, so as, as, as we say, well, sweat of a working man who, who worked kind of a lot with many meetings intellectually is very different than sweat of a working man that worked in building, you know, it can be different. But then these sweats, they depend also on what you were wearing. If you wear synthetic garments, which are not cotton, the scent will reek. Like, I mean, I think it's, Development of this bacteria of uh, nasty sweat bacteria is like maybe two, three hours in, uh, in synthetic garments. Well, if you, while if you wear cotton or linen or wool, it would just air, you know, it would just air out. The, the natural fibers, they help you to uh, air the, the sweat, these crystals of sweat. And then also... Washing yourself with cold water, just normal soap, and using antiperspirants. Uh, I like to use uh, 
certain perspirants that are made with this allium salt. It's not aluminium. <laughs> it can read as aluminium, but it's actually an ancient way. They, they found it in Sahara somewhere, just to use the salt under your armpits, just to neutralize. So it's basically salt that crystallizes the, the, the sweat glands and uh, the this, this, this sweat comes into the crystals, so it will be neutral. But hygiene is very important because if you put perfume on, on like t-shirt that is already sweaty, it sort of makes no sense. So it's always nice just to, you know, keep yourself nice and clean. It's good rule. And just like, you know, uh, being aware of this a little bit. But, you know, like not too much because in America especially, they are very obsessed not to smell nothing like. Yeah, they are very afraid of smell of shit in the United States, which is, <laughs> is very opposite to French uh, French uh, way of thinking and French way of understanding and French gastronomy and uh, perfume making, which where where we actually need a little piece of shit to make a good perfume. So <laughs> you're going to have to say a bit more about that. <laughs> well, it, what I thought of, what what I was explaining about the indoles, about the molecules that are related to the decay. They can smell like urine. They can they can be fecal. Actually, they are ten percent fecal. But with this opulence, with this opulence, you bring the body aspect in the way in the perfume. So it's a complicated it's a complicated way of thinking. It's a nose nose analysis way of thinking. But there are different schools in the world. You know, the people who want to smell very synthetic, very clean, and then the ones that are exploring life and you have to accept a certain of course if you like somebody you should be able to accept certain smells and not to freak out if some someone smells a little bit of sweat that's okay that's human so i would say that everything with a measure but most important to be able to be yourself and express yourself um, without fear because fear again has its own smell. No? <laughs> so. I do wonder on the aspect of hygiene that if you're using soap, you're using shampoo, you might be using a conditioner, you might be using um, antiperspirant, you might be adding something more. All this must be colliding. Can we become oh. overwhelmed by it all? Yeah, and I would suggest very practical that maybe use scent free. Some of these things can be with not so much scent, and then maybe one or two products like aftershave can have some scent or, or cologne, and not so, not so many fragrances. Uh, and then, of course, the conditioners for clothing, which can be very loud again. So you don't need to smell like this cake with all kinds of messages because you give messages. Smell is a message to other people and. It's an audience in a way. So, but then again, it's very, it's very easy to become this super dandy, you know, and like watching yourself and always wondering about like, let it be ease, let it be something as um, treat as um, your own kind of poetry, as your own little dessert of uh, dressing up in a dressing up um, routine and ritual. And again, we all sort of, we, we live among people, but we, we die alone in the way and 
the way we use fragrance is also like for our own, you know, for our own well-being. This is why, for example, I work a lot with candles. When the autumn comes, it's even nicer in naturalis in my lab because we start working with candles. I like very much the scent of fire, which I know many perfumers like. And I've listened to many perfumer stories, and a lot of them agree on the scent of fireplace fire. Not actually the smoke, because the smoke can be irritating, but when the wood burns, you know, it creates, it's a chemical reaction, which is very sudden, which is very fantastic, because you have resins, you have um, wood certain notes, and then heated up, just alchemical process. So I love candles working with essential oils, which is sort of, another type of ambience. So as I say, perfume is not just the scent to cover the bad sense. It's an ambience. Um, ambience you really live in. And you can take something from it. You know, you can take you can make your own rituals, your own relaxation rituals, your own let's say going to bed, smells, your sprays, mists, which again will it's actually our neuroplastic brain is quite flexible to to relate to these feelings. Uh, and certain plants, certain plant smells brings a certain affirmation to you, and especially like maybe at the times where you were at your best, uh, some triumphant times, you you noticed some smells around you and that can strengthen you in other situations, you know, so it, you can use it wisely. And, and especially I like also plants, growing plants in Norway in winter, which I find totally as a gift, you know, when everything is dull and you have no, basically, no sense in nature, despite scent of snow, which is also a scent, but also taking these impressions of nature is very good therapeutic treatment, I find. So, yes, when I speak about perfume, it's not only glam and passion, but it's also health and indulgence. I'm sure a lot of people will be listening now and thinking, should they select one scent to cover their life so that they... Well, I, I mean, ideally, you'd have all your hygiene products and your candles and everything, mm -hmm. your washing <laughs> powders, all in the same scent. Sort of, you have selected your scent for life. Mm -hmm. or, or should they design their life around a palette of scents where it's all mixed and varied? Absolutely. I think it's a palette because we change, you know. We are the same in the way that we change. And life is too short to have only one perfume. Of course, you can make maybe a bit better trace to other people if you see them once. <laughs> if you haven't seen them through whole COVID and then you see them again, you would bring it back in memory, which is also very, very nice. So you can characterize yourself by one scent, of course, but life is too short for not experiencing certain ambiences, certain scents. So, and you can be quite chameleonic with it, you know. You can wear something and you, then you can add perfume as a certain detail to it, accessory. So absolutely a palette, absolutely. Mm. You have to try things out and not so much risking. Would you say it's, when selecting a scent, it's also a case of not 
following the fashion, but finding something for you personally. Because I see a lot of, especially young men, they will seek out the correct way of, say, mm. those trousers, that watch, that car, and also that scent to mm. sort of make a, a sort of, this is the successful package. Yeah, it maybe makes them safer in a way, but it's always attractive, you know, because the challenge is that brands also copy each other so much. This is why I, I feel privileged to work with Natradas because I work from my own insights from literature, what the garden brings to me, you know, what the revelations, with the medicine, with the body, with fashion and so on. So you feel like you always can tap into the source. So I wish people could tap into their sources and choose the perfume from their own style, not following the advertisement or oh, that that perfume sells a lot and this is number five and we need to have it in our collection and so on. But it's always nice to feel a person has a certain style and if you, if you see, if you feel, if you see it about oh, something new, you can bring something new to other people. So absolutely, these brands... You know, and that's that's the very painful part for many small brands because I see many small brands with small budgets which invest everything into a new collection, let's say a perfume, which is such a costly thing to develop, especially now. You know, they develop something and then the big brands just steal it. They just steal it, these formulas. They just steal the concepts of formulas because they have, like L'Oreal, they have all this money to buy. They buy a fabric that was collaborating with a small brand. So it's very unfair. So I would say, like, if you like something, support support a tiny brand, this poet that is making perfume somewhere, and like to support them because they don't have access to good molecules. They don't have access to uh, these mainstream things that are already popular, which is very easy. You know, it's very easy to to buy, to, to tap into these worlds. And, uh, but of course, you have to like this thing. And then again, it's a challenging for designer to make things likable for people, to bring his name out. But, but uh, I would say try different things, new stuff. And you can shock people sometimes. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt. But I see it that in style and in fashion, the, the younger people, they try to distinguish as much as possible right now. Like, sort of, it's a cool thing to distinguish, to do. And there are not so many things you can distinguish with anymore because we've seen it all. We've seen nudity. We've seen a lot of styles. And even for men, it must be difficult to distinguish yourself. So I think maybe better way is just like to layer and to see what you have and to combine things in a better way. Maybe this is the... Maybe this is like the new post-college thinking. Um, but younger people think different in different ways than older, isn't it? In style. Or is it the same? What would you say? I would suspect that in general, the younger people are maybe more keenly into it because they're trying to find themselves. They're trying to define themselves. Yes. trying to be the same as everyone, but also at the same time subtly different because they want to be noticed, yes. not noticed in a bad way. but Yes. So there's a, a huge insecurity, I guess. It's huge insecurity. 
it is. And very often these famous brand designers, they actually don't have the quality that, um, and even not couture designs. And some designers are not designers at all. They just produce something other. So, um, no, it's challenging, but it's good to distinguish. It's good to distinguish yourself from the crowd. You mentioned how the big brands will steal scents yeah. from smaller brands. I also see that there's a lot of overlap between fashion brands and perfume brands. But yeah. is it the same way in which um, uh, spectacle makers, optical companies, they just license the brand names from fashion brands? Or do big fashion designers design both clothes and perfumes well it's it's different you know it's uh, different but it goes let's say in, pra in france i know a little bit more about how france is constructed in these terms the stronger the brand the better the image and the, the more people know the brand i think the um, the more people would collaborate and then they can get perfumers independent perfumers on their side and access more so it's always like this this brand name you know like a big name which rules overall but then we have nothing new i think there is interest for some for new brands but they cannot reach it because they cannot have money they don't have budgets for mass advertisement you know and then they die and look at life of alexander mcqueen he's my most favorite designer of all time and he died because of this, because of this race, in the way. He, in the way he made it, he came from sort of underground and brought real fashion, uh, underground fashion into on a podium and uh, was hired by a famous French house and uh, worked there. But... It, this intensity, this constant fight, this is so tiresome. It's so tiresome. We ruled by the labels. And many young people fall to this, you know, they, they do. They do, they cannot resist. It's an advertisement. And like one million dollar perfume is a good example of it. And so I wish it could be like at style school, I wish it could be a subject at school, you know, style, dressing, design, or something where you can learn how to combine things, how to layer colors, patterns, so you can create your own style. So you always have your own style, no matter trends. Even great designers say that you don't need to follow the trends, although they do super trendy stuff, but that's much better for you. And, uh, it could be part of a subject called how to be human, where you learn about personal finances, um, how to do stuff, how to be a good human, how to dress, yeah. and how to smell. Absolutely. Absolutely. How to choose, to choose correct thing for your, for your own life. But as you say, um, I was just suddenly listening to my daughters and it, it's interesting you say, because younger people, they need this confidence and they kind of place the confidence into the garments they wear. And my daughters were discussing yesterday, and I heard from the room, because she was saying, like, oh, when I will start at this new school, I will buy the caps, but I don't know which color I will choose, purple or white. And I was just listening, and I felt like, really, is that so difficult? Is that this? 
huge meaning they give to these caps, you know, and the color. And that they are my children discussing, like sort of, so it can be big, big thing. And then again, I also think about how people are sensitive. Some people are very sensitive what other people think about them, what kind of garments they wear, how they smell. Like it's a certain sensitivity. And for when you are teenager, you need this expressional science sort of, you need to be rebellious in a way. And maybe it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be rebellious, to express yourself with style and you have a certain message. But still, many of us maybe would like to have a reference to some solid fashion house and style references. It's human, it's, it's okay. It's, it's fine. I think that's something that comes with age, the realization that being yourself is more valuable than being just a part of a large group. Yes, and it's difficult to see it. When you are young, it's difficult to see that actually this part that you hate about yourself, it, it is you. It is what makes it interesting for, the, for other people. It's very difficult to see it. And this self-critic, you know, also about criticism, um, I'm trying not to criticize also like with my daughters too when they're dressing up and using way too much makeup and oh my god they spray also perfume and uh, yeah maybe sometimes not what I would use but this critic in you parents should be careful with criticizing about the style and so on because it, it, it goes into your blood you know and if people criticize you a lot in your young age I think you start criticizing yourself which any fear, any kind of fear is bad. When it comes to perfume or style, or it's not good. You should, you should appreciate more. People trying to express something, more artists trying to express it, it, it costs a lot of energy to making yourself. <laughs> mm. I, c I can see that I'll have to go out and... Uh and find some natural perfume that gives me the confidence uh, and personality I require. Yeah. Some, something that goes well with tweed and uh, maybe some pipe tobacco smell. Yes, yes. We should look into the smell. I, I don't have tobacco in, um, in perfume notes, uh, my perfume notes, but I have it in one uh, scent uh, that is for upcoming collection for the candles. But you can find similar notes, you know, tobacco, which can be like benchoim or even oak moss or some woody dry woods that smell like tobacco. They can be complementary. So I will take a look into this for you. Mm. Sounds uh, very promising. Now, is there anything we haven't covered that we should cover? Anything we should mention? Many, many things. <laughs> many things. I don't know. Maybe you, I don't know if your listeners, maybe they would like to get something like really, um, you know, something very substantial, something concrete. If uh, perfume language can be so abstract um, and uh, like, for example, to have these visual groups, categories of natural sense, one thing I would like to mention also that there are very 
very little amount of brands that are operating 100% natural in the world today. In France, I think there are only a handful, maybe several. And uh, in Norway, not so much too, around uh, not me, because the, the method will work without any... You can see we work without synthetics, but also without smell enhancers. And like really something that can trigger stronger smell. We would like you to feel nature. That's the thing. That's the main object of a natural perfume. And then you have different categories. You have florals that, let's say, in my in my world from florals, I work a lot with jasmine, jasmine and the florum, which means perfume in Arabic. Um, and it's interesting, speaking about florals, maybe interesting story that I would like to tell is that jasmine, the bush that we call jasmine, at least in Norway or Eastern Europe, all Europe, is actually not jasmine, but it is named after opulence of Arabic jasmine that grows in uh, in uh, Middle East. But that's the beauty of perfume because this legend is so big that people even called another bush for jasmine because of the opulence of the real white jasmine. So. From, from the floral side, I work with, of course, with lavenders, with jasmines, roses, pinkles, tuberose, neroles, citrus, citrus flowers, I love. There are fig accords, natural fig um, accords, which is tropical blends. And just to give an, just to give the listener a visual understanding about scent, which we cannot... Um, transcend through radio then I work a lot with woods I love woods I love Norwegian woods I think juniper is a very very cool note for men always smells nice and it's the note that also can smell very nice on a sweet smelling body and also like sour smelling body it depends but juniper is very important note for Nordic cultures you know because it's sort of like our incense and for herbal understanding and for mythology juniper is the one that like cuts the bonds with past and with past uh, sluggish past conditions and also many people know it from the smell of gin tonic and it's a vibrant note that goes very well with citruses so uh, you have wood family woody notes which are very fleshy uh, like for example cedar wood nourishing woods like sandal, which I don't use a lot because a lot of sandal disappeared already. So you have very nice um, Siberian fir, oak moss, patchouli's. You can basically also make a nice scent just by doing your own blend, just by combining like three essential oils, you know. So, but that's along another topic. But for men, these scents of incenses, citruses, various needles like junipers and pine. And, uh, it's very nice to use these scents. So, I don't know, maybe something, something that you would like to know when it comes to uh, style to the dressing, as you say, the tweed. I believe that tweed mm, puts a certain condition on the scent uh, too, and tweed in itself has a very nice scent. 
awareness very nice scent then and scents they stay very nicely in natural fibers you know they also assimilate with natural fibers so it can be complementary woody scents i see with tweed and tobacco notes dry woods oak moss frankincense siberian fir vetivers which are green many many notes can be beneficial to men's wardrobe and uh, yeah i can tell by your face you were feeling inspiration there (laughs) (laughs) on the way to make a new men's fragrance where i'm actually working with it has been i've been working for a long time but it will come not before next year where i also use sort of replica of animalic notes and um, like to create a scent of adrenaline and certain scents that are can be beneficial for us Hmm. there was one small question i had right at the end um when we're talking about fragrances there's talk about perfume cologne aftershave what is the difference between these various types oh okay so aftershave is um it can be a cream it can be a balm or it can be um a spray with ethanol so let's say let's begin from the light versions um in natural extracts we work with hydrolates like i distill hydrolates from my garden i work with Melissa geranium, which is a very nice note for men. There's a good perfume by Frederic Mal geranium for Monsieur, uh, for Monsieur, which is um, green note. It's green, rosy, but it can be very nice for the colons. So you have these cat- uh, categories, which are hydrolate, which means natural distillate. It's not a tea. It's not a plant of. It's not a, a liquid of burning uh, kind of boiling plant in the water it's a distillate that naturally has four up to four percent of essential oil bounded to the water molecule so hydrolate is a very nice mist mist for your pillow for your hair for your face it has just a slight uh, scent which is very characteristic to that plant then if you take compounds you have eau de colon which is usually from 10 to 15 percent of the cologne which varies the name of cologne of the perfume that was created in cologne by jean-jacques Ferenat. It, it happened long time ago 17th century but it uh, it started sort of the, the the brand name of colognes and napoleon was using colognes a lot extensively and basically cologne is 10 15 percent of Mm, the raw material in it so it's quite light to compare to confirm with other parfum which is 20 25 percent in latest restrictions my all perfumes are other parfum because i need to have 23 percent 25 it doesn't mean they are stronger they are just highly concentrated as natural and the colognes are usually made from herbs, citruses, chypres, mix mix of the fougeres, just certain styles and perfumery. So it's all depending on strength. And then aftershave can be also hydrolate or 
just a light spray with ethanol and so these are the the measurements the more the material the more closer eau de parfum which is perfume it comes from 20 to 25 percent so and i don't know i think there are men that are using just natural essential also so for sauna, you know, saunas are starting to be very, very popular now we hear. Saunas, swimming after saunas. So it's all these ambiences too. And I always think perfume is something really romantic. It's very nice to give as a gift that people don't buy perfume so often. So it's um, very nice both to give as a gift and to receive as a gift. Perfume is super romantic thing. Um, and also maybe to mention that scent is really therapeutical for us you know because all essential oils so in let's say in the system of natural fragrances you have absolutes which we perfumers adore i love absolutes that contain the whole spectrum of the smell Absolute, for example, absolute of lavender is dark, dark blue. You have absolute of rose that is like a mucilage, so you can gather things from it. Then you have essential oil, which is sort of the distillated, steam distillated liquid, which is very essential. It's etherical. It will fly away. It will evaporate quite quick. And then you have um, concrete, which is like a paste. So you choose between these materials. Um so, but people are free also to use essential oils. You have to be careful with citruses or they are phototoxic elements, but also as perfume, you can use just essential oils. Find something you really like, find something that is aligned with your body. Maybe ask your friends if they like it too and go on with it. You can compose your own kind of accord. You don't need to be dependent on big companies, big names if you like something. Mm. And on that note, shall we say we're done? Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me today, Rasa. And um, bye-bye for now. Yes, and uh, I really thank you for the interview. And we keep ourselves healthy and fragrant. That's the future. <laughs> Wise words. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And that's all for this week's episode of Garmology. If you'd like to check out my guest further, there's links in the show notes. There's also links to uh, how you can uh, support the pod by buying me a cup of coffee, which is perfectly optional. I'm just pleased you're listening. If you'd like to get in touch, suggest a guest, just let me know what you think. It's uh, welldressedad at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram as welldressedad. So until next week, bye-bye. <laughs>